And that series is called Explore God, and we've been talking about it the last several weeks. What's especially exciting about this series is it joins now, uh, at last count, over 800 churches here in the Chicagoland area are together beginning this series this morning. And the, and the purpose of that is to open our doors wider to those who have questions, who wonder about faith, life, God, and the Christian story. And as we begin this series, you know, one, we want to continue to pray uh, for much to confess to you. One thing before we start, why this series is so important to me, besides the opportunity to express fresh and to have dialogue with people who wonder, is that I'd be honest, ever since I was a kid, I was a whiny kid, always a whiny kid. And by that, I mean, I was always asking, why, why is this and why is that and why am I here? I don't know if any of you connect to that, but I remember even being a a young kid and I would sometimes just look at my fingers and my hands and just think, why? Like, what are they going to do? What is this for? I'd stare at my face in the mirror and like look deeply in my own eyes and wonder, why are you here? Why are you here? And, And as I was, you know, aware of God out there somewhere, why? Why are you there? And are you really even there? He's always a whiny kid, always asking big questions. I don't know if you connect to that, and I'll be honest, I'm still kind of whiny today. So this series fits really well for me, and, and perhaps it does for you. In the next um, couple of weeks, we are going to be looking at the seven biggest questions statistically that people wonder, again, about faith, life, and God, even Christianity. And maybe some of these questions are here, and they're questions that burn in your heart as well. We're going to dialogue about these on Sunday mornings, but that is not the whole of Explore God. The whole of Explore God is also discussion groups. And so we will have discussion groups that are meeting throughout the weeks, um, and we want you to be part of the conversation. We want your friends to be part of the conversation. We're going to be dialoguing about these seven questions. We have a group that will meet today, Sunday noon, Corner Bakery over in Hinsdale. Uh, We have a Wednesday 7 p.m. group we met this week in the library. We're going to continue that discussion uh, this week. We have a Thursday men's group that's meeting at a home in Western Springs, and Alicia and I opened our doors on Friday evening at 6.30 uh, because our kitchen is finally done, and we can now start having some guests over. (laughs) So it's not, it's, we have maybe 2% left, but this morning, though, as we begin this series, we're going to look at that very first question. Does life have a purpose? Is there a, a meaning to this? Is there a purpose to life? And to introduce this, to kind of get a perspective of what people think, what Explore God has done is they went around the country and just interviewed people on the street and asked them that question, do you think that life has a purpose? And uh, this is a little bit of a snapshot of what people think. Why were we put here? I think everyone wants to know, why were we put here? Why are we on earth? My purpose in life is to, um, to live a normal life, to, to be uh, a citizen, a productive citizen. I don't fully know why I'm here, but I enjoy that. I enjoy knowing that because then that creates endless possibilities for myself. I think that in life, 
в жизни самой. I believe it's random, to be honest. I don't think there's a plan. I think you make your own destiny. Intentar pasar por la vida de la manera más desapercibida posible. I would like to make a difference, even if it's only in one life. I'd prefer to do more. Love, happiness, joy, yoga. I think oftentimes you realize what the purpose was more by looking back than, than looking forward in my way. Some people plan ahead and know exactly what their life is, uh, what their purpose in life is in their mind anyway. I find direction in life by just meditating daily, um, just coming out here to the beach. Whether it be spending time with friends or family or uh, putting some gas in my boat so I can go fishing and catch a few fish, go home, have a fish fry. Uh, I live day by day and I like to take it like that. Society wants you to think that your life's purpose is all about work and making money and uh, moving forward from that direction, but uh, I think that's wrong and I'm still trying to figure out what's right for me. I'd say that because I think the meaning of life, in my opinion, is to find something that you're passionate about and use that passion to make the world around you a better place. I believe that every human life has a goal, and that goal is to find it in God. I mean, I think everyone has a reason to live. Everyone offers something to this world, whether it be bad, whether it teaches people to be good, or whether um, they're good themselves, but I think everyone has a purpose on this planet. So that's it. Does life have a purpose? Many people would say yes. Maybe you were surprised by the statistic that showed that almost 80% of people that they interviewed through Barna Research said that they're confident, they're clear that life does have a meaning or a purpose, and they were clear that it does. Uh, maybe through the video you notice that a lot of people are clear that life does have a purpose or a meaning, but not everybody's quite sure what it is. So when you ask that question, does life have a purpose, I think that actually begs another question that's related to it, which is, does life really need to even have a purpose? If you ask the little over 20% of people, they would probably say, no, that doesn't need one. Maybe you know people like that. They would say, oh, you know, why do you worry about that so much? You just live day by day. By day. We kind of heard that reflected in some of the video. Or find it in things that you enjoy or things that you're passionate about. Stop worrying about it. You ever hear that before? Like, oh, why do you think about that stuff somewhere? I know I have. Why are you so whiny? Just don't worry about it anymore. Just live your life. That's the purpose. Like maybe we don't even know. Maybe we're not even intended to know. But that's the question is, do you think that life needs to have a purpose? What's interesting about this is there are a number of authors and artists that would say no. Author Ernest Hemingway said, life is a short journey. We go from nothing to even more nothing, nothingness. Um, if you're any a fan of Queen in here, uh, there's a song that they did some years ago that said, who wants to live forever? Forever is today. Who waits forever anyway? Or let's go to the top of the food chain, I guess, intellectually. You got acclaimed physicist recently to past, Dr. Stephen Hawking. He said, I regard the brain as a computer, which will just stop working when its components fail. He said, anything, anything beyond that is just people afraid of the dark, and so they're searching for some kind of meaning um, because they just need a fairy tale to hold on to. 
there's something that is very insecure about this question of purpose that I think makes people nervous. And I kind of hear that in, in some of these answers. Because the question itself, does life have a purpose, ties us into, is there something spiritual out there? Is there something that's transcendent? Is there something greater than me or greater than us out there that has given a purpose over us? I think that's one of the reasons that people are afraid of that question, does life have a purpose? Because if it does, that starts to lift us up from just living day by day to maybe something that's more invested. And that makes us uncomfortable. You know, it's interesting, I've hosted a number of conversations this week about the series and we got a lot of interest from people and neighbors especially, and we were really excited on Friday to open our doors. And we had a number of people from the you know, community that we've just gotten to know outside the church that said, we're coming, well, it sounds so great. And uh, Friday came and none showed except for our one neighbor. Were they busy? Maybe. But there is something that's uncomfortable when you start asking these big questions about life and does it have a purpose you know, in maybe you read in some of these quotes or other things that you've heard or conversations you've had with friends or family where they're like, what do you worry about? Why do you think about these things so much? Don't even worry about it. That there's kind of a looking down upon. I would say that a little over 20% almost look down on the 80%, don't they? A little bit like, why do you care so much? Why do you, why do you need something? Do you need a crutch in life to hang on to? Do you need a pattern? Do you need a purpose just to give yourself some meaning? I don't you can kind of look down, you can kind of be felt looked down on if you are one that seeks for purpose. Or like Stephen Hawking said, maybe you're just scared, like a child having a nightmare and you just need something safe to grab onto. That's, that's what he would believe. But I have to ask you, do you think there is a purpose to life? Do we need a purpose so much though that we just invent one or kind of cling to one? Or is there really a bigger purpose that's out there? Some truthful purpose that's out there somewhere and our hearts are inclined to seek it and explore for it. Get what I'm saying? It, it, do we so desperately need a purpose that we just kind of make one? Or is there really one out there that's calling to us and that our hearts long for and will not be satisfied until they found Talking about this uh, in the last several weeks with staff, it was Pastor Lars who said it so eloquently. He's like, you know, one thing about it is trying to find purpose, it's exhausting. Trying to find purpose is exhausting. I think it's actually exhausting because it's kind of the drive of our lives. There is a drive within us that creates this urgency to find a meaning and a purpose. And we, we, we take that energy and we Forge, forge it into success, the drive to succeed, and maybe even to accumulate wealth and, and comfort and happiness. Uh, there's a drive within us for purpose that we start to uh, search for that, like, do I matter at all in this world? Am I making any difference at all in this world? Do I matter? We sometimes take that drive and we move it towards, I'm just trying to have a good time. I'll be honest, that was a good majority of my life. The drive of my life in my early adulthood was basically just trying to have a good time so I didn't get haunted by the why questions so much. 
But it is true, there is a drive, there's a motor inside of us that seeks for purpose, and, and it really starts at birth. And, and you see it, any of you who have had children or even you know, now have grandchildren, you know, with babies, it begins early because right away we start measuring them. I mean, the first thing that happens after a baby is born is what do they do? They weigh it and they measure it. And that weight and measurement will become a standard. It's almost impossible to announce a baby without saying, well, how big is he? How tall is he? How much does he weigh? And that becomes a standard in which we look for every week. We want to make sure they're growing and getting bigger because that would be healthy. There's a drive there. But then it gets greater than that because we start looking for other measures of their growth. Like, oh, look, they're starting to eat solid food. And look, now they're walking. And we get excited. There's kind of this drive. I'll never forget after we had our fifth child, Harvey, we were so excited to have a baby and we knew it was going to be our last one. But at the same time, we were like, okay, we know how this goes. All right, you got to get potty trained. Okay, we got to start walking. Okay, 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 okay. We kind of just drove him through his babyhood. But it continues, this drive for purpose, when we send them off to school and then they're students. And why do we do that? So they can accumulate knowledge and understanding and wisdom and skills with sports. I I promise now, Harvey, we think he might be a, a really special gymnast. We're like, maybe he's got that, right? But the entire school process is accumulating grades and skills and pass or fail, and there's an urgency to be better or maybe even the best. And that continues into young adulthood where we start asking those big questions of what am I supposed to do with my life? How can I use the skills that I've accumulated and the passions that I have to make a difference in the world? There's also the drive for relationships. I remember that was big with me. Where, where am I going to find my worth in relationships? When am I going to get married? When am I going to find that one? And there's a drive for that. Then we get married, we become parents, and it all starts back over again. We start weighing and measuring and guiding and driving. But it doesn't stop there. We can reach a point in our midlives where we start to ask that big question, sometimes at night before we fall asleep, like, what am I doing? Or it might hit you in the middle of a workday, even after a successful meeting. What am I doing? Do I matter? What about in our later years when we ask, what have I done? Even in the last days, I had a friend that was a a hospice care. He was brilliant at it because he was just so compassionate. But he said, you know, it was often there were so many people that would pass joyfully and and sweetly and with a feeling of of purpose and success that you could tell as they gathered around their their family and worshipped that there was a purpose that they just felt a peace over. But he said the hardest ones were the ones where they were just grasping for that last and and regretting, like, I should have spent more time. I should have spent more time with people that I loved. I, I should have done more. I could have done more. You know, maybe like Stephen Hawking said, he's smarter than I am. Maybe our brain is just like a computer. And when its components fail, it just turns off. But if you were still here, and if I ever had the pleasure of meeting him, I would say, maybe your brain is like a computer. Yours may be like a supercomputer. But what drives it? Why did you continue to go for more PhDs and more learning and more wisdom and writing more books and try to be more of an influence? What was that drive, that motor that was pushing you all the way to your last breath, Stephen? Some people choose to live in denial of this urge. I know I did. 
Again, in early adulthood, I was like, no way, man, you guys are, you're all, uh, you know, driven on your purpose and your meaning. I'm not. I'm just living day by day. I really connect to the guy who was like, just going to put gas in my boat, go fishing, have a fish fry, hang out with some friends. I was living in denial of that drive, but inside my heart, I kept feeling like I was missing out and I was missing in something. And thankfully, I got pulled out of that day by day existence and began to live more for others. But some of us live enslaved to that drive. We live enslaved to that drive, obsessed with achieving, maybe even obsessed with trying to just be happy. Here's the bad news about purpose and this drive, this motor that puts us on the train each day and sends us into this buzzing city. Most of us feel like we're failing. Here's the truth about purpose. It's probably the scariest thing of asking that question, does life have meaning or purpose, is most of us feel like we're failing. Most of us feel like we're falling short. Maybe we've invested ourselves in in relationships or success or happiness and all these things that we've tried to put focus and energy into and we find even at the top of our game, there's something missing. Or, boy, that feeling of satisfaction, it just passes quickly. And it wasn't as satisfying as we thought it might be. Most of us feel like we're failing or falling short. There's also another problem for people even like your Stephen Hawking's and things. We're like, just don't even worry about it. What about denial? What if I'm denied the opportunity to live my life to the fullest or to be happy? What if I'm, I'm held back? by circumstance or even by, uh, you know, someone that has control over your lives or or they, they marginalize you? What if I never get the opportunity to, to drive, to be successful, to, to be happy or to be joyful? What if I never get that opportunity? And there's a lot of people in the world who they'll never have that opportunity. They live in really horrible conditions. When I was a kid, this will date me a little. Um, there was big news about this uh, first in vitro fertilization. They called her the test tube baby. And uh, in the news, which I read a lot when I was a kid, it talked about she was conceived in a lab, like, because that was the first time they'd ever done that. And it was, you know, quite big news, very controversial. Uh, but what actually kept me up at night when I was thinking about the test tube baby is I thought they never took her out of the petri dish. I thought she was always in the lab, and that kind of haunted me at night because I was, I was picturing this, this baby developing in this like plastic you know, uh, plate in this white room surrounded by people with masks, and I had this weird little nightmare like, what would happen if they never, never let her out of the lab? Like, that'd be horrible, and that nightmare sort of kept me up, you know, this idea of like, what would happen? But that's what I mean when we start to have even a simple like, oh, don't worry about it. Just be happy. Just, just do the best you can. Don't worry about it. What happens in the face of real tragedy or suffering or servitude? See, that lack of purpose falls apart when we start to apply suffering or injustice. And again, I think that's why most people or the 20% at least for sure would be like, oh, don't even worry about it. No, I actually have to worry about it because it has to apply to every standard. And there are a lot of people that just can't be happy where they are and live their lives. So let's go on to this question, though, about purpose. We're going to get there. 
But I think before we can address the purpose question, does life have purpose, I think we need to understand its sister value, which is meaning. You've probably heard that in the video if you were listening carefully, that when you ask people about purpose, often they'll talk about another word called meaning, or the meaning of life, right? It's usually two related things. And they are closely related, this idea of meaning and purpose, and often they'll be in the same conversation. But you look at meaning, meaning of life, first of all, meaning in general would be an inactive value, like what the, the value the thing has without ever doing anything. It's just its intrinsic value, okay? It's value outside of any function of any kind. It's just what its value is for its say, itself. Purpose emerges from that value. It's our active value. Active value is what is the thing intended for? What do you do with it? That creates a different standard, a purpose, okay? Meaning is our worth based on who we are. Purpose is what we're supposed to do. Uh, take a look at my jacket, for example. Uh, I found it in a used clothing store. Uh, it's somewhat of a name brand, but not, not really any you know, fancy name brand. But it, I thought it was pretty decent and it fit me nicely. I paid $3.50 for it because in a rack of used clothing, that's about what a used blazer is worth these days, about $3.50. I think they gave me a buck off. So $3.50 for a blazer that I think looks pretty good. I've gotten a couple compliments on it. So its meaning is about $3.50 in today's kind of market. But its purpose actually is much greater than that. Someone could have picked this blazer out and worn it to a very important interview and maybe gotten a job that would change their lives. Or maybe they would wear it to a special occasion to celebrate or, or, or maybe go down on a knee and ask their beloved to, to spend the rest of their lives with them. Maybe somebody would even buy this blazer off the rack to stand at church and give a very important little speech. Its purpose emerges by its use, its function. So friends, where do we go to get a sense of our meaning? Where do we go to get a sense of our meaning outside of our purpose first? Before we get to purpose, let's look at meaning. Where do we go? Well, I think the first place we look at is up and out, at our insignificance. I'm convinced that this is why people who feel spiritual even outside of the church often find that sense of spirituality around big things, grand canyons, Oceans are very popular places for people to go and they stand at the shores and they just say, ah, oh, I just feel so spiritual. Because I believe that this is a place in the grandness of nature. This is where we go and we find one of the bearing points of our meaning, our insignificance. Study a little bit of astronomy. Anyone else ever do that? Just the grandness of our solar system, and it's such a small part of a grander galaxy, which is such a small part of an amazingly broad universe. And we look out at the stars, or we look out across the ocean that we cannot fathom its depth, and there's suddenly a sort of peace that falls over us, this sense of, wow, I'm really insignificant. But for some reason, that feels great, doesn't it? This is uh, radiated in the Psalms, where the the writer was encouraged to say, when I look at the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you're mindful of them? What are, what are mere mortals that you would even care? So I think one of the places that we go to, we find a sense of our meaning is there in the grandness of all things. We find, you know what? I'm not anything at all. I'm pretty insignificant. In the long course of time and history, 
and the space of the universe and, our, and let alone our world and the U.S. and who I, like, I'm nothing. But yet, for some reason, I find a peace about that. That's one of the places that we go to find meaning. The other boundary we find is our uniqueness. Our uniqueness. Way past your fingerprints, which can only be the, the, the only thing that can unlock your phone, I guess, besides your face. There's something incredibly unique about each one of us. Think about this. Where you were born, the time you were born, to the parents you were born to with their legacy, in the time you were born in, the city, the places you go, and the places you've been since then, the relationships you've had, the joys that you've seen, the struggles that you've endured. No one will ever live your life story again. It's a one-time thing. No one will ever be like you. There will never be another you ever again. This is a one-time creation. This again is reflected in the Psalms, 139, 13 to 16, when the psalmist was moved to write, you knit me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance, and in your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them were yet existed. There is something so amazing about you that will never be repeated again. So we find our bearings, our sense of meaning, maybe the used clothing store in which we find ourselves is the space between we are nothing and we are a masterpiece. These are just the space in which we begin to discover our meaning. We are nothing at all. And we are at the same time an incredibly rare masterpiece. So how am I connected to all that? What am I here for? You see, I believe it's important for us to have these broad boundaries here in order for us to discover our meaning which I'm going to offer to you is measured by this. The price tag on our hearts is our capacity for relationship. I think the meaning, the price tag of our heart is measured by the capacity to have relationships. Whoa. Let me give you an example. Mosquitoes. Mosquitoes have a very limited capacity for relationship. They're born in the slime of the water in the summertime. They buzz around for a couple of days. Most of them will never taste the sweetness of your blood. And if they ever dare jump on your arm, you don't care a second to drop them. Actually, I have to correct this a little bit. Mosquitoes actually have a high value in my house. I pay my kids about a dollar for every mosquito carcass they find in the house because I hate getting bit at night. But natively, mosquitoes have very little relational capacity. We don't think a second about popping one of those off our arm. Now, if you understood for a moment that a mosquito is actually the one that's biting you, is actually a, a, usually the female, and what she's trying to do is draw some blood so that she could go and lay some eggs to continue being fruitful and multiplying. 
What if before you swatted that mosquito, she looked up at you with pleading eyes and said, please, please, ma'am, don't hurt me. I'm just trying to feed my babies. Here, take some more. But mosquitoes have no relational capacity that we see, so with joy, they're done. What about our pets? Oh, our pets. Saw one today wearing a cute little sweater at Starbucks, little boots, so to get salt in his paws. How many of you are pet owners? Love your pets, right? You love your pets, and your pets love you. We are too busy of a family to have a pet. We have a fish. But it's very interesting. When I go see Sirius in his little bowl, as simple of his life as he is, he starts to flutter and look up at me and flap his little gills, and he's like, feeding time. Hey, you're back. You're back. So we, t- we care for that little fish. But our pets have a higher relational capacity. That's why we love them. That's why we feel love for them. That's why we care for them. They have a higher sense of meaning to us. We want to care for them well because we sense that they have like a love within them. Now, they can't express it in the same way that we can, but we would say our pets love them. This is why no matter how hungry you get and how much snow there's on the ground, you will not, you will not eat your pets if you get that hungry. Even the thought is gross. Why? Because there's a relational capacity there that's higher than the mosquito. Well, what's at the top of the relational food chain? You and me. Our meaning is measured by our capacity for relationships. And we're born needing relationships. This is what's so beautiful. Moms, you know this. Dads, if you've been in the room, you should have been. And the baby comes out and it's... Eh, eh, longing for connection. Instantly, the moment it's born, it's, it's crying out for sweet connection with loved ones to know it's cared for, to be cared for. And at the same time, while we're doing that, we're like, oh, I'm getting love from this little thing. And they cry out for you, and you snuggle them, and you love them, and you don't stop. And they don't stop crying. They cry for years. Sometimes 9 and 10, 12 years, they keep crying. (laughs) But they're crying for relationship. That's why we're at the top of the food chain as far as meaning in this existence that we call home. This, again, is reflected in Scripture. Genesis 1, 27, 28, God created humankind in His image. In the image of God, He created them. Made them male and female, He created them. God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, make more. We're at the top of the food chain in God's story because we have the highest capacity for relationships. We need each other. We need to belong. We need to know that we're impacting others. This is why when you hear those kind of, oh, don't worry about it, just be happy. Usually in there, they're like, just make a difference in the people or just love the people around you. Yeah, that's because we're made for that. We're made for that. There's a truth in that when you say, just, just love the people around you. Don't even worry, but just pour into the people around you or just be kind. What are you talking about when you're saying just be kind? You're saying live out your capacity for relationship. That's our meaning. So when we have our meaning, which is our highest capacity for relationship, well, we still have the purpose question out there. I didn't get you that one yet. We're getting there. Meaning is our capacity for relationship. Higher than mosquitoes, higher than your pets. The top of the food chain for our capacity of relationship. 
So, what is our purpose? I'm going to take a risk and give you one. It's like we're shopping in a used clothing store and, you know, you grab a blazer and you stick it on. You're like, eh, it's pretty good, but it doesn't really fit in the shoulders, you know. I'm going to offer you one that I think might fit us pretty well. I think our purpose is to love. I think our purpose is to love. I think our purpose is to know love, to be filled with love and to radiate that love out. I think our purpose in life, which is connected to our meaning, our highest, that we have the highest capacity for relationship, it emerges when we begin to discover love. And again, you hear it, just be happy. No, you can just live by day by day. Just enjoy your life. Well, how can I do that if I'm not with people, if I'm not loving the people around me, if I'm not receiving love and getting love, and if I don't know love? Let me ask you, is love a subjective purpose? Is this just for me? Is this just my blazer, love? Or is love something actually that is maybe the one purpose we're all seeking, even those who would say there is no purpose? I think it is. I think that Love is not a subjective purpose. I think it applies to everyone. Could it be the one universal purpose that we all need to turn our faces to and accept? Maybe the acid test on this, if love is the grand purpose of all things, is to what if we could apply it in kind of a laboratory to one person and there was nobody else there? Would it still fit? Well, there actually is a story like that in Scripture. It's in Genesis chapter 1. It's our origin story. And in that time, God created the one man, and he had him there in the garden. He actually gave him quite a bit to do. He said, go ahead and tend to the earth. You got it. All this? Whoa, okay. He certainly had purpose, things to do. But it was interesting that in the course of time, as this man was busy trying to master his new job, he looked around, and this is before pre-fall. God looked at this one that he had created, and he said this, oh, that's not good. It's not good that the man should be by himself. This wasn't a fact that he observed fresh. This was because of who he was, created in love to know love, but he had nowhere to express that love, and the animals weren't quite cutting it. So he made for him a helper, a partner, one to walk with him, and he told them to do the same. Go, be fruitful, multiply, Share this gift you've been given of life and love. Spread it around. I believe that love, love that radiates from somewhere, we'll talk about that in a second, I believe that's the greatest purpose that we could ever seek, to know that love, to be filled with it, and to radiate that love around us. Does life have a purpose? Let me just be super clear. Does life have a purpose? I think it does. I think it's to know love and to love others. To know love, to be filled with love and to love those around us. Okay, so if if I'm working with you on this, if this is starting to soak in a little bit, it's okay, it takes time if this is fresh to you. It's okay. Just try it on like a blazer at a store. Just try it on for a little bit. Just see if, see if it fits. To know love, to be filled with that love, and to love the people around you. And if, if, that, 
if that blazer starts to fit pretty well, then that begs the next question. Where's this love coming from? Where do we get it? Where did it come from in the first place? Next week, we're going to answer this question. Is there a God? Is there a God out there? Where does that love come from? Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for these friends, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to just ask why. Is there a purpose to life? Is there something greater than us? And, and maybe we're here this morning and we kind of feel like we had it all figured out or, or maybe we're here this morning and we have some regret for maybe the places we've tried to invest for meaning and purpose and we find ourselves in that place of falling short. Well, Lord, I pray that by your Spirit you'd be gentle with us as we maybe try on this sense of purpose to, to love, to be filled, to know a love, first of all, that, that has always been there, that calls our hearts, that longs to fill us, so that we can live on our purpose, which is to love those around us. For some, Lord, that may be uncomfortable thought today. I pray, Lord, that as we just try this on for a while, that by your will, you would make it clear for us if this is the purpose that you have for each one of us. Thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, that you're not a God who shies away from the big questions. You call us to seek you in the stars and the grandness of your creation and also in the uniqueness of our story that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Lord, I pray that our doors would be open wide, not just here in this church, but in our homes and our hearts, to receive the many, to know the one. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.